He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, my guest today has devoted over 40 years to the study and practice of success. He's been on more than a thousand radio shows and television programs, including Oprah, 2020, Inside Edition, The Today Show, Larry King, and now All Business with me, Jeffrey Hazlett. He is world famous and he's America's number one success coach. He was born in Texas, went to school in my home state, or my birth state, I should say, West Virginia, and he graduated from the Lindsay Military Academy. I'm going to ask a little bit about that. And then he has a BA in Chinese history from Harvard, so we know he's a smart guy. Went on and got a Master's of Education at the University of Massachusetts, and his first book was published back in 1976 as a handbook for teachers and parents. This guy helps people, and it's led to great success as one of the most prolific authors of all time. His series, Chicken Soup for the Soul, has over 250 million titles and over 500 million copies in print in 40 different languages. He's been also named to the National Speakers Association Hall of Fame and by Success Magazine, a great magazine, as a top 25 leader in personal growth and development. I'm talking to my friend, Mr. Jack Canfield. Welcome, Jack. Hey, my pleasure to be with you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It is great to have you and to be a part of all this. You know, what's how does your business run itself today? I mean, talk to me a little bit about your business. So we're going to be talking about success and self-esteem and a whole bunch of things. But talk to me about the business, your business. How's it organized? Well, the Canfield Training Group is uh, basically, uh, I'm very fortunate that I've made a lot of money from my offices, but also on my property. I have 12 staff who work with me. Um, so I walk over about 20 feet to work every day. And uh, basically, we have uh, three people working off-site, so virtual. And uh, what's going on today is we are finalizing our marketing program. We're releasing a new program called the Train the Trainer Home Study Program, where our goal is actually to train a million trainers by the year 2030 in uh, countries all around the world. Wow, that's huge. That's success. a lot of people. <laughs> Well, it's a big goal. You know, we set out a goal to sell a billion books when we first came out with Chicken Soup for the Soul, and everyone laughed at us, including our publisher. Well, in fact, quite frankly, yeah, 500 million copies. I mean, but but as I recall, wasn't it turned down? I mean, your first, the people you took it to to begin with said, no, this will never fly? Yeah, we were turned down by 144 publishers, (laughs) and of the 145th that said, we'll publish it. We asked for an advance. We said, we don't do advances. We said, how many copies do you sell? They said 20,000. We said, our goal is 150 by Christmas, 150,000 and a million and a half in a year and a half. We did 1.3 million in a year and a half. He stopped laughing. Then we yeah. set a goal to do a billion books by 2020. That was our 2020 vision. We called it those kind of fun plan words. And, um, you know, the hockey stick curve is working right now. We sold 300 million just in China. They're actually using the book as a textbook to teach English to Chinese students where they have English on one page and Chinese on the other. So you never know how it's going to manifest, but you know it will. And we've already got people coming out with our home study program because it now makes our program, which was live up until now, uh, available. 
we've already got people wanting to be uh, country coordinators in France, in India, in Africa, and so forth. So we think it's possible. We've done the math, and it, it's going to take a lot of work. But uh, that's the kind of vision we play from. That's why we well, that's a big number. And so so talk to me a little bit about the courses themselves and what you're doing now, because I know a number of people. I watch you. I follow you. And I see people always tweeting from, I'm from Bali and all different kinds of exotic places. Where are you doing most of these courses? Well, basically, we do one course twice a year. It's called Breakthrough to Success. Usually in February, I guess people can learn more on our website, jackieinfo.com. We do what we call high-end luxury retreats, which are $15,000 each for five and a half, well, five days. We've done them in Bali. We've done them in uh, Italy. We've done them in Dubai. And in my house uh, here in Santa Barbara. And we've done them in the house you saw them on the beach in Maui. And uh, so always kind of exotic destination resorts that people would like to go to. Of course, it's something I'd like to go there. Now they actually excuse to do it. They're limited to 24 people. That's the high-end one. We do workshops for writers uh, called the uh, you know, Bestseller Blueprint. Uh, people go online and check that out. And so we're now, we, within five years, we've done, we've trained over 500 nurses live from 40 different countries to teach this work. And that's usually uh, a three week workshop. But now we've, uh, since we've recorded the whole thing, and now you can watch everything, and we've built a whole course around it. It's beautiful. Uh, it's not a week program because you can watch me teaching all the things that you used to watch me do in a seminar. You can do that at home, and then we actually work with people on their stage presence, their presentation skills, how they're setting up an exercise in the live training. So we have that now, the home study version of that. So that plus a lot of audio programs, you know, the usual six cassette or six now 60, six DVDs or six CD programs. So our goal is to transform the world one person at a time, and that's what we're committed to doing. You know, how's that changed over time, Jack, when you first got started in this business a number of years ago? It's it's really gone through a, a, a bigger transformation, right? It used to always be in in person, and now you're starting to talk about things that you do, you know, through DVD sets. But we used to have cassette tapes years ago. Remember those? And, and how much of the yep, sure how, much, how much has that changed for you in terms of the way in which you deliver the, the courses and the and the outreach? Well, I think it's changed a lot. I mean, everything is virtual. Now you can do virtual book tours. Instead of going on the road, I can get 6,000 people on a conference call, which is probably how many people I would need at bookstores if I traveled around for a month, and then send everyone Amazon.com or BarnesandDouble.com or BooksAmillion.com to buy the book afterwards. And so basically that's totally changed everything. Webinars, telesars. People love to be able to sit at home and not have to travel, not pay hotel fees. Etc. You've got all these now, these telesummits that go on for like two or three days where you've got you know, 20 or 30 speakers, uh, and that's changed everything. The, the internet, uh, TED Talks, uh, and YouTube channels. I mean, I have, you could go and probably learn everything Tony Robbins or Ryan Tracy has to teach just by watching our YouTube channels. Uh, so basically, it's changed. People want stuff on demand. They want it now when they want it. They don't want it, you know, the weekend that they can't come because it's their kid's birthday. So it's it's radically changed, I think, you know, for the better. And there's still a, a real important purpose for live seminars because you network with people. Yeah. You, as I would say, you can't hug a kid or each other over the Internet. 
and you know, so the, those kind of things occur in live workshops. So the group energy that's built up. Yeah, it's it's a big thing. I mean, there's nothing like a live audience, you know. And I've always had people say to me, "Do you mind if we tape you and show it?" You know, I've never lost a speech or an event because someone saw it on the internet. You know, it's quite the opposite of that. So the more they they see it, the the more right, they exactly. want. Yeah. Let me ask you, how did you get into this, you know, whole self-esteem and success kind of movement? Because that's that that was at the core of what you when you first got started right out of college, you were you were very involved with that. So how did you get into it? Well, what happened was I as mentioned, I went to graduate school and studied a, a psychological education. How do you educate people about psychological issues? But that came after two years of teaching in an inner city school in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I had all black students who weren't motivated. And I was always motivated. You know, even though I came from a poor family, I managed to get into Harvard on a scholarship. So here I am teaching history, and my kids aren't motivated. It kind of shocked me. I wanted to be the best I could be. They didn't seem to believe they could do that. They were living in the ghetto, and they didn't see any model of anyone who made it out. So I took a course with a man named W. Clement Stone, who was a friend of Napoleon Hill, who uh, was publishing at that time. Stone was the success magazine. Mm-hmm. And Og uh, Mandino was the editor back then. Great guy. Oh, I remember Og. I took a I workshop. Mean, yeah, he's one of the best. Yeah, Og Mandino. In fact, my office is here in New I York is right on Norman Vincent Peale Way. My office is across the street from from Norman Vincent Peale's church, the Marble Church, which is, you know, he's part of that gang, that gang that ran together. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, both of them and spend time with them, and it was amazing. But all through W. Clement Stone. And he taught me how to motivate people to want to achieve more. So I went back to my classroom. I used what I learned. My kids doing really, really well. And I realized they had low self-esteem as well as low motivation. So I began to, to find anything I could that would help these kids believe in themselves. And then when I went back to graduate school, I started to write a book called 100 Ways to Enhance Self-Concept in the Classroom. And by the time I graduated, I actually had finished writing that book. I would have gone on to get a doctorate, but I got so many invitations to come to schools and teach teachers how to do this stuff. There's a great line in the Teacher Chong movie where he goes, we don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> I said, right. I don't need no stinking PhD. Yeah. I'm already getting paid. Why go through all that hassle, you know? Right. So I became a consultant self-esteem issues. And then one day, this is really funny, Jeff. One day, the sister said, my husband's company needs what you're doing. He's the president of the company. Oh. I said, I've only worked in General Electric for floor sweeper one summer. I said, I don't know anything about companies. She said, they're just big kids in suits. Are you going to run a workshop for them? <laughs> so I did. That's a great line. And they loved it. And I realized, yeah. And I realized they pay more than educators. So I kind of still do some work in education without 90% corporate. Well, now that becomes part of the benefit of what you do from all the money you've made from all the books and things you've done. So Clement Stone, you know, was the person who came up with the law of attraction. You know, talk a little bit about that and what attracted you to that law, because that's a big portion of what you've got. Yeah, I don't know what he called it back then. I don't think he called it the law of attraction, but basically what he was teaching is everything we now call the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. But he said basically your thoughts are going to attract to you the things that are vibrating at the same level as your energy. So if you're thinking positive thoughts, you're going to attract positive people, positive opportunities. He was the first guy that invented the phrase, do it now. Mm-hmm. He used to uh, give out these, these wooden coins. It said, to it, E-U-I-P. And um, people go, what's this? He'd say, well, you probably say you're going to 
some, you'll do whatever it is when you get around to it. Now you have a round to it. So he was just <laughs> playing with that kind of stuff. But he was, he was amazing. He's the most positive person I think ever met in my life. Everything was like, you know, that idea that Paul um, Hill talked about, in every negative event is the seed of an equal benefit. He lived that totally. And everything that he did was just so phenomenal. And I just learned, think positive, visualize, affirm, set goals, persevere, don't give up, build teams around you. And um, he, I, I was making $8,000 a year as a school teacher when I took that first seminar. Wow. He said, I want you to set a goal that's so big that if you achieve it, you'll know it's only because of what I taught you. So I could go to make $100,000 in one year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make 100, I made 92,328, something like that. And I didn't feel like I'd failed. I'd 12 times my income. Right. I said, man, this is great stuff. I'm going to start teaching this. So that's when I kind of left education and started working with the corporate world. Have you always been kind of a glass, uh, half full kind of guy? I, you know, I was a guy, no, no, not at all. My dad was extremely pessimistic. He was, uh, he, he was anti corporations. He was, uh, you know, he was a laborer in a sense, worked in the florist. He always, um, you know, resented people who had money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I was one of those people until I went and met Toby Cummins Tony. He told me that success is not a four letter word. Corporations are not ruining the world. There's people's mindsets, you know, mediocrity and lack of responsibility and accountability and all of that. And, uh, that, so it wasn't really until probably that time about 1969 when I was already uh, 25 years old mm-hmm. that I learned about this stuff and started to change. Do you, you think that you wouldn't be where you're at today without that kind of influence, those people around you kind of piece of it that, you know, seems to be a, a catalyst for a lot of people? You know, you never know. I mean, I certainly sought out something. That I was seeking to try mm-hmm. to find out what I could do to motivate my students. I probably would have kept seeking if I had missed out. But I feel, in many ways, my life has been divinely guided. When you think of all the people I've got to meet that have mentored me, and you know, I got to speak to the United States Congressional Caucus. You know, I mean, it's insane when you think about it. And so it seems like every given moment when I need something, that person shows up. But I, I believe in that. I believe that the a, 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 a beneficent universe, not a cruel universe. I believe that, you know, some higher power is looking after me. Uh, I ask God and angels and things like that for guidance. I always get it. Mm-hmm. So I believe in that. And I tend to be a positive person. Yeah. Is it So is uh, being a Christian important to you as part of your business? You know, I started out as a Christian, and I went to church. I sang in the choir. I sang the part of Jesus and all that. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I started studying other religions as well because I was traveling so much. You know, I'd meet people who were Hindus and Buddhists and people that were uh, Jews and, and, and Muslims and so forth. I, I'd say more, I think that, that there have been many people on Earth who had a role to play in bringing, you know, consciousness of you know, what we could call a Christ consciousness. But whether it was Buddha or Muhammad or, you know, someone else, I do believe there are many paths to God. I don't think that Christ is the only one. So I part with some Christians that way. But if you were to ask me, I have to put down a religion on a, on a, on a form, I'd say still Christian. Because I think Christ, if you read the red words in the Bible, his statements, not all the interpretations that have come later, you can't find a better set of rules to your life by. Yeah, well, it's a little bit off the business track, but uh, I wanted to kind of, since you, you crossed that, I wanted to, to at least touch base on it and 
do something. Hey, while we're taking a little bit of break, I want to, you know, it's important to have chicken soup, but you can't live just on that. I think I want to work in my good friends, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, because American runs on Dunkin's and business runs on Dunkin' and runs on coffee because I'm drinking it right now. So I wanted to make sure I took that, that little brief piece. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Fortinet. I want to get back to this thing about um, the the people that you hang out with and, and, and what you attract. Cause you got a lot of young people who are listening in to this podcast, Jack. And there, there was a quote, and I think it's Jim Rohn, but, but I saw it in some of the background material of looking up, uh, and about the things I was going to talk to you today. And it said, you're the average of the five people you hang out with. And who do you hang out with? Well, I, I have a chapter in my book, The Success Rooms, about drop out of the awful club. And it is based, I learned that from Debbie Thomas Stone. And then I saw Jim Rohn's quote, which I included in the book. Yep. And it, it's really true that we are the average of the people we spend the most time with. A quick story in relation to that Mark Victor Hanson, my co author on Ticket to the Soul, was in New York. And he was presenting that day with Tony Robbins. He got a half a day. And Mark watched Tony and before Mark came out, he said to Tony, he said, I bet somewhere you make $52 million a year at that time off his infomercial. He said, yeah, I do. He says, well, Jack and I make about 2 or $3 million a year. Uh, what's the difference? I mean, you didn't even graduate from college. I mean, tell us what we, what, what we need to know. He said, Mark, do you have a mastermind group? He said, yeah, of course. He said, what's the most anyone in that group makes? About 3 or $4 million. <laughs> so that's your problem. Yeah. He said, everyone in my mastermind group makes $100 million a year. Yeah. And it was just, whoa. And so what happens is the people you hang out with, you're going to adopt their mindset. You're going to be introduced to their colleagues and their friends who are actualizing at a much higher level, perhaps, than you are. So I always tell people you want to reach at least one level up. I mean, most people are not going to call uh, Bill Gates or you know uh, someone like that and get through. But if you making 50000 you want to make 100000 you can find people making that. If you want to make two hundred fifty, five hundred, dollars 500000 uh, there's a lot of people you can hang out with, whether it's at the country club, on first class on an airline, you listen to their podcasts, or you read their book, or you listen to an interview like with me because I'm a millionaire, whatever. So the reality is that you want to get yourself in that space. We did a book called The Success Principles for Teams, and we did some research about what were their relevant issues, like, you know, sports, band, and academic grades, with boyfriends and all that. And we did a little survey. We found out that if you the kids that you, you hang out with, and you, they basically look at all their grade point averages, they're almost always the same. The A students are hanging out with the A students. The right. B students are hanging out with the B students. Kids are getting up for hanging out with the F students. And so, you know, our parents always told us, uh, you know, I don't want you hanging out with them. They're a bad influence. Well, it doesn't change when you're 18. 21 or 35. So you want to purposely surround yourself with people that are at a higher level. That's a good lesson. Hey, I, you know, I reach out to my fans, and I know you've got a ton of fans, too. I ask the fans for questions for you, and they came back with me for a couple, and I want to give one. Jay Robinson was asking, she says, does the feeling of anxiety ever ease up on the way to success as you see your brand grow? 
No, I, it doesn't. Um, do you still get you nervous? Know, do you still get nervous when you give a speech? I mean, you and I have spoken together on stages. I, I don't get nervous for a normal audience. I might get nervous when I was talking to the uh, you know the entire audience with the Marine Corps or Navy SEALs or the mm-hmm. police department or something where I think some of my ideas might be seen as a little fluffy or a little soft or new age or whatever. Uh, but no, mostly I get excited. Uh, they say that anxiety is fear without, there's excitement without the oxygen. So fear is self-created by imagining bad things. So if I started thinking about, you know, we're going to go bankrupt, this new project is going to fail, we invested too much money, then what happens is I'm just creating negative images. We all have the ability to create images. We want to use it to create positive images, not negative images. As far as anxiety goes, anxiety is more intense than fear. That's why people have anxiety attacks kind of take over. And usually what's happening is you're not breathing. So one of my mentors once said, hey, anxiety is actually excitement without the oxygen. In other words, you're excited. There's an opportunity here. Why do we go on adventures? We call them adventures because there's something new. Something and it's eventually dangerous. Yeah. You know, when I went to the rainforest and I, I swam in the Mastazi River, which has pariahs. You know, I didn't even know that until I got out. <laughs> but the reality is it was fun because it was dangerous. Yeah. So you get excited, then you breathe. You don't just climb up. And it made it that much more exciting after you found that out, after you got out, because it was like, you know, look, I did that without well, even knowing the they told me there's a rule in the river that, they said there's a rule in the river that nothing attacks anything 12 times bigger than it is. <laughs> and um, so fortunately, I was big enough not to, not to be yeah. food. That's good, which is good. Hey, Tom White, who's a friend of mine, he's the CEO of the C-Suite Network, he wrote in because he's a big fan of yours as well. Said when did when did you realize that what you were doing was more than just a book? Did you start out with that? Yeah, it was more than a book. It's a movement. You're trying to change the world. Did you guys really start out with that True. as a process? Well, you know, when we wrote the first Chicken Soup book, we didn't know we were going to sell you know a billion books. I mean, that goal came about a year after the first year of success. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we wanted to be a bestseller. We visualized that. We affirmed that. We believed that. We told everyone we were going to do that, and we pulled it off. And that took about fourteen months before our book hit the bestseller list. This is the thing authors often give up to soon. We hit the uh, Washington Post number 15, 14 months after the book came out. We were doing something called the Rule of Five, which says do five things every day to promote your number one project or to work on one project. Mm-hmm. But eventually, little by little, referral by referral, word of mouth by word of mouth, we got there. And so then we set this big goal. And then about three years later, we changed our, our kind of logo statement. And it was changing the world one story at a time. And that's when we began to think, wow, we really could have an impact on a lot of people. Because in India, when I was there, they say the average book in India is read by 12 people. They share it because they don't have as much money. Sure. So, you know, we, we actually have nine books now called Soup of the Indian Soul, Chicken Soup of the Indian Mother's Soul, etc. So a whole brand in India. But we did not know that at the time. But, but yeah, about after five years, we said, yeah, this is kind of a move. We really could have an impact on both. Just... But, you know, when, when there was a revolution in Lebanon many years ago, when the people rose up against the occupation, I think by Syria, I think it was, uh, there was a professor who was taking thousands of students out to the street every day, and he would read them chicken soup for the soul stories before they went, so they would feel courageous enough to actually go out there and risk getting killed. Did you, so, did you envision that the book would be used for that? I mean, never. Yeah. Never. 
but it, it, it's been used in ways that, you know, way too many to talk about in one call, but it's very, very exciting. And, um, okay. no, I think what happens is your, your vision evolves as you achieve right. a certain level of success. You get the confidence at a higher level goal. Well, you, I, I always talk about you start adding zeros to it, right? Meaning you, you make it bigger and bigger and bigger because you know that that's capable. But when you first get started, you might not always visualize, and we'll talk about that in a minute, you might not fully visualize the success that you can have. So you visualize the portion of the success you think you can have, and then once you figure out you get there, you can think even bigger. And that that's kind of what you did here, right? Exactly. I, I took a workshop with Dan Sullivan. He probably know the strategic coach guy, and yep. he has this thing called 10x, uh, 10x your income. And when I was taking that seminar with him, I was making about six hundred thousand dollars a year. And he said, "What I want you to do is multiply that by ten. And I said, "Okay, six million. Now that seemed a little impossible at the time. Yeah. And he said, "Now go back to six hundred thousand. When you were making sixty thousand, did you ever think you'd make six hundred thousand?" And the answer was no. He said, so you didn't believe it, but you did it. So let's take the 600000 multiply that by 10, now it's $6 million. And then in a later workshop, when I was $6 million a year, which we were doing off Chicken Soup about 1996, I, he said 10, 10 times it again. Do it again. $60, 60 yeah. million. Well, I, I had trouble wrapping my head around that, frankly, but I started affirming it and visualizing it. And then a few years later, we sold one of our businesses for $63. So, I mean, it's just <laughs> mind-boggling how powerful the mind is once you just choose to believe something. You better add another zero, you know? You go 20 times, 30 times, or 100 times. That's It, it tells you what that does. Absolutely. So yeah, you, you my were, mind is pretty good this right now. Yeah, which is not, not bad. It's a good life. So... Uh, you talk about visualization for a second, because you were in the in the movie uh, The Secret, and in that movie you talked a lot about the visualization. Talk to me about that concept. Well, basically, we have a GPS system in our brain. It's called your subconscious, and it works just like the one in your car. What you have to do for your GPS system in your car is put in a destination. And so... We can program the subconscious mind to have a destination, but the way we do that is actually through a picture, a visual image. It can either be still or a picture. I like moving. I think it's more dynamic. So if you want to be living in a house in ocean in Hawaii, you close your eyes every day, and you visualize looking out your door, looking at the sunset over Kaanapali Bay, sitting on the lanai on the second floor of your house, whatever. And you do that every single day. And what happens, if you do it 30 days in a row, there's some research on this, uh, what happens is your mind will start to come up with solutions. It will start to notice things you never noticed before. You have a brain right at the bottom of your brain, right at the top of your brain stem, something called the reticular activating system. And it acts as a filter. It's like the appointment secretary at the White House. If I called Barack Obama, I'm not going to get through. If uh, Ron Emanuel called Obama, he's on the list. He's going to get through. Mm-hmm. But what happens is there's all kinds of opportunities and resources available to you, but you don't see them because your reticular activating system is programmed by your images and by your beliefs and by the goals you set. And so what happens right now, you and the audience is not aware of what you're feeling in your right foot. But as soon as I say right foot, you instantly can feel it. It was being filtered out by your particular activating system. So there's basically in my seminars, I show the, in which uh, there's these guys playing basketball, three in white t-shirts, three in black t-shirts. And if they're bouncing the basketball, I ask the team to focus on the white team. How many times do they throw the ball? 
uh, the count the number of passes. And right in the middle of this, a gorilla, guy in a gorilla suit comes out, mm-hmm. pump, pumps his chest several times, and walks off. 80% of my audience never see that. They're so focused on focusing on the kids in the white T-shirts and making sure they can count the pulls, they miss it. And that's what happens. It blows their mind when I show the video again. They see the, or the uh, gorilla suit. And so in life, it's like there's gorillas walking by all day long. It's no partners, ideas, opportunities that we miss. And we miss them because we have a program, the subconscious, to actually let those in. And so visualization is critical. Uh, for that, and also it works with the law of attraction. You're sending out a vibration of be having something you want, and then anything in the universe that's lined up with helping you achieve that will uh, be attracted to you in terms of, um, you know, people, opportunities. You'll sit on the plane next to someone, and there'll be a solution to your problem. Yeah, well, I was going to make a point. You know, when I was a lot of times uh, younger in my career, I was always taught to visualize these things that I might want and from material perspective. So if I wanted a new car, I'd put a picture up of a new car. If I wanted a new house, I'd put a picture of that or what I might storyboard out for my success for the future. So it's a lot, of, a lot along the same lines of being able to visualize those things that you might want tangibly, but also those things you might get from that feeling of that visualization as well, right? Yes, absolutely. The, the visualization creates a feeling. That's the purpose of it. And the affirmation, if you do an affirmation, I'm so being grateful that I now have, you know, a 3,000-square-foot house on the West Coast in yeah. Maui, Hawaii. That, the purpose is you want to generate the feeling inside of you, like an actor would. Right. Like, feel the joy, feel the relief, feel the power, whatever it might be. And the, think of it this way. What you have is a car, and the steering wheel is your goal. And when you visualize that, it's like looking out the window, driving in the direction you go. But the fuel, the gasoline that allows you to make the car move is your feelings. And that is why it's so critical to stay in a positive state, a state of joy, a state of gratitude, a state of love, a state of compassion, uh, those kind of feelings. When you're in that state, uh, then you're vibrating at the highest level. Then when you realize and you feel that state, you're sending out, I call it a, a cosmic email. One of my friends uh, coined a term called internet, I-N-N-E-R. Mm, and it's kind of like an email that goes back to the entire universe. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Let me ask you, I'm going to do a little bit of a rapid fire with you and ask you a couple quick questions, and then just give me your first take on what you think on this. All right, print books, e-books, or audio books? Oh, gosh, audio books, because you can listen to them in the car. And you can, I love this called hands-free, or mind-free hands-busy time. Yep. You're doing the dishes, you're putting on your makeup, you know, you can listen to an audio book and change your life. It's awesome. I, had same, I, will, I, I love to read, but I also love to listen. I especially love to listen to the books in the voice of the guy that wrote the book or the gal that wrote the book. All right, here's the next one. Chicken noodle or chicken rice? Well, chicken soup, I'd have to say, to be honest with you. But well, I, you got chicken soup, you already got that. Rice. Yeah, which one of the two do you like the most? I know, I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you, Jeff. <laughs> I would say chicken and rice, I just think, healthier than wheat noodles. Oh, there you go. Well, if it was gluten-free, maybe you'd go for that one. All right, now this one, because of, you your, yeah, because of your Chinese um, studies, did Confucius have anything to teach 
Jack Canfield. Yeah, Confucius taught Taoism, and Taoism basically says you live in the moment, allow all of the moment to occur. So whether you're upset or whether you're happy, uh, you allow that to move through you. You don't have to get attached to anything. You allow things to, to move on. And I, I did study the I Ching for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and the importance of everything is always changing, and so you need to cooperate with change and not resist change. Uh, most of our suffering comes from trying to hang on to things, that need to be let go of or trying to uh, push things away that need to come in. So uh, that's what I learned from Confucius. Okay, which was the best decade? The 60s, the 70s, 80s, or 90s? Well, for me, it was was the tail end of the 60s and the 70s. I just, there's so much going on at that time. I actually got to hear Bob Dylan at... uh, at Stock, uh, at not Woodstock, but at the uh, Newport uh, Folk Festival. I got uh-huh. to hear him play live for the first time. Uh, that was an incredible experience. I got to, um, you know, the 70s, people were idealistic. Uh, there was, you know, love was in the air. Mm-hmm. There was so much consciousness that was being involved. People were exploring, you know, Native cultures and Native wisdom. The rich year, rich decade for me. Yeah, that, that was a good one, too. You know, I'm from South Dakota, and that's a big portion of my beliefs as well. Hey, who was the best motivational speaker you ever heard? Best motivational speaker I ever heard? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Jackson. Uh, when I used to go to his church in Chicago, and he knew how to hold a room. And Boy, he could talk. He called triplets, you know. He was Phenomenal. Yeah, right. Phenomenal he, he still can and, talk. Uh, you know, I, I, I've listened to Jesse before many times. I've seen him on the circuit doing when I was in politics and working in the political circuits. I mean, he can talk, can he? He's got a, a rhyme that can just, just, it just lulls you. I mean, just gets you. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to motivate and illustrate and <laughs> go on and on like that. So and good. facilitate. That's right. That's exactly right. There I, you go. I had there one of go. the best, best. Well, I think best. I learned from him. He said it's all about inspiration, motivation, and perspiration. Yeah. Those are the three where you want to go. One of the best compliments I ever had was a guy that was running for the United States Senate, and he said, hey, you got your Jesse Jackson suit on when I walked up to him. I had this, and it was one of the best suits I ever had. Hey, what books do you read? Well, yeah, what books do you read um, for inspiration? Do you read them for inspiration you read them for information or just enjoyment i've read over three thousand books jeff and i probably i just literally ordered another book from amazon today called uh on writing mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I i love all that come out from all the different people you know whether it's darren hardy uh the editor of success oh yeah darren's great yeah and gary keller's book recently called the one thing talks about if you could only do one thing that would change everything what would that be so that was a fabulous book. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm constantly reading everything and everybody. I read books on EFT tapping, on gestalt therapy, on dreams, on physical fitness. Do you um, read, do you read the old you know, fashioned, are you uh, still reading paper books or are you, or are you, did you go to e-books? I'm reading books. I, I download a lot of books to e-books and I read those on the plane and on vacations and when I'm traveling for business, I don't have to, you know, carry eight books in my, uh, play, I, my, my briefcase. Recently, that Bill Gates, when he travels, usually travels with thirty books. But he's got a private jet. Yeah, he's got his own. He's got his own travel uh, library. I mean, he can afford it. He's got a whole bookshelf in the seven forty-seven. He's got exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm very inspired by him. He's kind of like me, loves to read. But no, I, I, I probably would say that kids of my books are still books. Yeah, I, 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 I like, uh, I like a real book. I like falling asleep with it. I like Thunderline. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm writing notes and and I I, I like book air. I I bend the edges down. Do you do that or you have a bookmark? Uh, say it again. What do you I, do? I said I bend the edges down when I mark the page. Or do you have a bookmark? How do you? Yeah, no, I do that too. Yeah. I do that too. Yeah, I know you're not supposed to, but I don't care. So, you know, look, hey, no, it's my book. Yeah, it's my book. It's, it's, it's right. I bought it. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. So, let me ask you one yeah. more question. Um, yeah, look, Jack, you've made it. I mean, you're so successful. Why? Why is? Why are you still working? Why are you still doing this stuff? Well, I love it. I love what I do. I'm fun for me. I love the craft of writing. I love speaking to live audiences. It's just, I wake up, I'm alive. My staff will tell you, my God, you're so amazing when you're on stage. Why are you like that all the time? <laughs> Whatever. But it's really fun for me. Yeah. I just love teaching and watching people's lights come on, emails I get saying, you changed my life. Um, you know, I love managing my company. I don't run it. I have a COO that really runs it, but I like being the head of it, coming up with ideas of solving problems with my team. And I love to travel. You know, I spoke in Iran, which is supposed to be an enemy of ours, mm-hmm. uh, last year, twice in Tehran. And, you know, they're just people like we are, and they just want to be successful. It's the governments that screw everything up. But basically, uh, I get thrilled. I had a 15-year-old driving 50 miles to Tehran and to come to my one-day seminar. It was like 9 to 5. And he came to me on the break, and he said, uh, you've changed my life. I read your book in Farsi, and wow. it's changed my life. I want to go to Harvard Medical School and be a doctor now. And I, that, that was like just to know that some kid living in a rural area in Iran could be inspired by something I wrote. Now he wants to go be a doctor. I mean, that makes my day. Yeah, it does. It makes your year. It makes your decade. I mean, to see that kind of... Um, influence that you have on people's life, which is great. Let me ask you, I'll give you a chance, What a shameless plug. I always give every guest a shameless plug to plug whatever you'd like to, to talk about. What would it be? Well, the main thing right now, we have this 10th anniversary edition of the book, and I'd love people to get a copy of it, not because I need another dollar. I don't, but what we just talked about, I love getting letters and emails from people. I just got one from Sweden yesterday, a guy who started painting five years ago based on reading my book, and now he's in stories all over the world. And it was all because he got inspired to go for his dream. So this book, the 10th anniversary edition, totally updated and revised. has a whole new section on success in the digital age about crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, how to manage your digital and so forth. And also, all the stories in the first book were stories by, you know, about fake people. People you know because the numbers basically saying, hey, look, these people are famous and this is why. Mm-hmm. These are the principles they use. But now all the stories in the book are stories illustrating the principles of people who read the first book and now as a result of that changed their life. And, and each principle has some story related to someone who applied that principle in a, in a creative way and went on to be super successful. And so that's, I'm so excited about that. And then there's also a chapter on leadership and a chapter on networking by Ivan Meisner, BNI guy. Uh, that we didn't have before. So basically, if you don't have the book, I'm going to ask you to go to thesuccessprinciples.com or thesuccessprinciplesbook.com. Either one will get you there. And you'll be good to go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble buy the book, but you'll also get five bonus items. One is a video of me talking about life by design, not by default, an hour-long audio. You can put answering all the questions that people mostly ask about the principles. There's a daily discipline success poster. You can download that, put on your beer. Uh, the first two chapters of the book, you can put so you don't have to wait for the book to come to start reading it. And also an instant income business planner developed by my co-author, Janet Schweitzer. So if you want to get more instant income out of your 
business or your career, you can do that. And lastly, if you want to know about our trainings, go to jackcanfield.com and uh, find out about our great success and our Train the Trainer program. Oh, that's awesome. And you got a lot going on and certainly been successful. And I thank you for being a part of it. In fact, I know that recently I just got someone who sent me one of your books, um, Chicken Soup for the Grandma's Soul, because I'm about to become a grandparent. And one of then they wanted my wife to have that book. So uh, the influence is felt, you know, young and old and uh, rich and poor and, um, you know, English and non-English and all around the world. So, hey, Jack, thanks for joining me, and good luck, and I appreciate it very much. Well, my pleasure. I just became a grandfather a year and a half ago. You're going to love it. It's really fun. So I'm, thanks for having me. I'm <laughs> looking forward to it. I'll, I'll be calling you for some success tips there. So we'll see you later. Okay. Cheers. Okay, take care, buddy. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.